Hey Young People Ministry, welcome to our podcast episode. In YPM, our goal is to meet the needs of the people and we are sure that this podcast will do just that. So God bless as you listen in. When I got married to my wife, I knew the sand, sea and sun were holiday destinations I'd have little of. In the last couple of years, many people have been taking up scuba diving. It's like an escape from the city life of cars, buildings and people, to boats, corals and fishes. I personally think it's an amazing experience. The believer is somewhat like a scuba diver. No matter how much we try to retreat and escape to the waters, it's not man's natural habitat. Without wetsuits and breathing equipment, we won't be able to live. Were it not for the Holy Spirit living within us, equipping us and helping us, we could never make it here on earth too. This world is not our home. As the Bible says, we are in this world but not of it. Like a fish out of water, it doesn't live amongst cars, buildings and people for long. In Archivus, taken from 1 John chapter 2, verses 15-17. to 17, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. How do we transition from worldliness into the will of God? Many of us Christians find this such a challenge yet a reality when we think of a life that desires to honour God. But how do we find the balance of living in the tension of God's will yet the compromising ways of the world? What does the Apostle John in 1 John teach us on the will of God? What does the Apostle Paul has to say to the Galatians on the ways of God? What in the world is the world to us then? So between the world and God, which would we choose? Now, those are quite some things to consider. So I want to encourage you to take notes with your note app or take out a pen and a notebook as you reflect from your notes later in the week from this title, The World or God. This is part three and our finale to the transition series. The big idea to take home from this sermon is there is hope. There will be an application on making decisions at the end of this sermon podcast. As we transition from a global pandemic that has wiped away an entire year and more, the art, science and reverence of godly decision making is before us. Now a little bit of background. The word world has at least three different meanings in the New Testament. It sometimes means the earth. For example, in Acts 17.24, it says, God who made the world and everything in it, and this refers to the planet. God who made the planet and everything in it. The world also means humanity or mankind. In John 3.16, For God so loved the world, and this refers to, For God so loved humanity, For God so loved mankind. And at times, these two meanings come together, the earth and mankind. Like in John 1.10, He was in the world, referring to the earth, and though the world, the earth, was made through him, the world, mankind, did not recognize him. So this gives us an understanding of the meaning of the original word. 
world. Let me elaborate a little bit more. However, the word world or cosmos here in the context of 1 John chapter 2 refers to Satan's spiritual system here on earth upon all mankind. Well, in short, let me just use the word triple S, Satan's spiritual system. It represents whatever that is opposite of godly and holy, a worldly system that is opposed to Christ. Now, we must be reminded that as Jesus called Satan the prince of this world in John 12, 31, Satan has his spiritual system of evil spirits that are corrupting and influencing this world through every means. And as what Paul points out to the Galatians in Galatians 5, verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit of God wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So when we understand this, we begin to comprehend the struggles we go through as Christians. And because it's no longer a surprise to us, how should we then respond? I want to take a moment to encourage us that there is hope. There is still hope, even though we know of this truth. Though this is the reality we are wedged in between a place that we do not belong to, between a rock and a hard place, not comfortable, not meant for us. How then do we comprehend what we should do and how should we live? The Bible says we are sojourners, passing through, foreigners, that makes this place our transition into eternity. Like a scuba diver, we live in a foreign element. If not careful, it will stifle us. A Christian cannot help being in the world. But when the world is in the Christian, he is in need of help. We can take the examples of great men of faith mentioned in Hebrews 11, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and the rest of them. How did they live? Well, they live in hope. They live assured. What more us who have experienced the reality of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Remember, the big idea here is there is hope. We live in anticipation of the here, now, and that is to come. So we should persevere, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, hold on to Jesus that's with us because there is hope. We do not give up and lose heart. You know, as blood flows through the heart, hope is what fills the believer's heart. Now, leading to the main um, truth that we can find from 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. And this will help us answer, how do we transition from worldliness into the will of God? We understand that as Christians, the Spirit of God dwells within us. Yet it is also true evil spirits are around us to distract, deceive, and ultimately try to destroy us. This is so important, you've been listening, but I really want you to hear and receive this. When we observe what the Apostle John says in 1 John 2 verse 15, that if anyone loves the world, the triple S, Satan's spiritual system, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, the love here is not the same unconditional love of God. Rather, the love here is a vile, seducing, corrupted desire for what is not meant for us. A love that is enticed by evil desires, lured by a forbidden appetite and cursed by the cravings of self-pleasure. It's the same kind of uh, love at the fall of humanity between Eve and the serpent the fall from grace between David and Bathsheba, and the fall of greed between Judas and Christ. In verse 16, 
John clearly points out that all this is not from God, but from the world, the triple S. This gives us a glimpse into what Satan or Lucifer, the former highly positioned angel of God, fell for. It became about him, no longer God. It became about pride instead of servanthood. It became about position instead of submission. It became about power instead of stewardship. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18, Pride comes before destruction, and an arrogant spirit before a fall. Yet we can be encouraged that if we humble ourselves before God, He will lift us up, and that He shows favor to the humble. It is only in the Bible we find that both love and hate can coexist in the same space for God's glory. That, that example is found in Psalms 97 verse 10. It says, You who love the Lord hate evil because He protects the lives of His godly people and rescues them from the power of the wicked. And finally, as we look into verse 17 of 1 John chapter 2, the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. If I can illustrate this point, we all know that healthy eating like vegetables, fruit, grain, sugar-free, salt-free, fat-free, free of everything yummy is honestly usually not yummy at all, right? But having had banana leaf rice, Hokkien mee, fried chicken, nasi lemak, roti canai, ice cream, sweets and treats, it's hard to choose anything less than that, right? We'll be missing out on flavor and feeling. That can be true the opposite way of our spiritual health too. If we want to live forever, we have to choose what we consume. See, the formula to move from worldliness to the world to the will of God is less of the world, more of the will of God. More devotion to God, less of the world we desire. And as we think of spiritually healthy lifestyles, worldliness is not so much an activity, rather the attitude of our hearts. It doesn't happen overnight, but it creeps in subtly over time from the compounding effect of poor decisions we make. That's why Paul wants us not to conform to the world. But it is when we devote ourselves to God daily, consistently, we are transformed when our minds are renewed in the presence of God. We are able to differentiate and know for sure what is of God and His will for us. It takes a process not a push of an on-demand button or an instant fortune cookie moment. The Christian life is a joy-enduring journey, not a short-lived trigger-happy 15-second highlight story reel of instant gramification. It comes with surrender. It comes with searching and seeking God. And it goes on by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And it is especially true what the Apostle John wrote, the world and its desires pass away. The global pandemic of 2020 has magnified this to us to an excruciating point. That the only sure thing in this world is that nothing is sure. Everything around us is changing. But I believe the things that are eternal never change. And that makes the man who does the will of God lives forever. Do we now see why is it so important to choose God over the world. And this leads us to our application on making decisions. See, we are bombarded with tons of decisions to make all the time. From the moment we wake up to every intersection of the day and to the point we repeat the day all over again. Yet we find that if we learn to funnel our priorities and values 
into our decision-making checkboxes. It helps us sift through our decisions a little faster and importantly, more meaningful, with fewer regrets and with more purpose. Here are four simple principles to help us make decisions. Clarity, simplicity, authenticity, and security. See, we were made with the gift of free will by God. There are some decisions that take effect almost immediate than now, and some later. When we think about now, I think it involves or should begin with achieving clarity and simplicity. Researchers at MIT's Brain and Cognitive Sciences Department discovered that our brain processes information 30 times faster than we blink our eye. And that's 13 milliseconds to be exact. That's super fast. In that lightning speed, our cognitive mind is in deciding which top to wear, to stop or to keep going at yellow, or which cafe to hop today. Our brain checks against our emotions, past memories, sensations, to quickly formulate a multiple choice answer for us to choose. The key with making decisions for the most immediate moments than now lies with clarity and simplicity. And this is a good principle to live by. I like the example of Solomon and the two women disputing which was the rightful mother of the baby in 1 Kings chapter 3. When Solomon presented the sword, he was actually extending clarity and simplicity for him to make a decision. We may find that it's pretty brutal, pretty harsh. But most of our everyday life decisions need not be accompanied by anxiousness, stress, and panic. Rather, take a deep breath. Focus on simplicity. Decide on achieving clarity in our decisions. And it's also true there are long-term, high-impact decisions that are more challenging to make. The key lies in the principle of authenticity and security. Here I remember the encounter Nicodemus had with Jesus late at night. It was not that he didn't know who Jesus was, what he could do and why he came, but Nicodemus just couldn't come to terms with who he was, a child of God or a Jew, and importantly, who who's he belonged to, whether he belonged to the Jewish council or to Christ. I like to think that after that long mama session he had with Jesus late in the night, he would have made the better decision to believe in Jesus, and I think he did. We see in scripture that he and Joseph of Arimathea were the ones who courageously and compassionately prepared Jesus' body for burial in John 19. The key to making life-impacting decisions is to ask questions as Nicodemus did. Questions helps us gain perspective. To seek out the truth for ourselves and in that process, clarity and simplicity surfaces when we reflect on all the information that we have gathered to decide who we are, whose we are, and who we want to be. And this speaks of authenticity and security which all of us seek for in life. In moments where we feel overwhelmed, get a good life coach, get a mentor or an experienced leader to help you ask questions instead. If they know what you're seeking for, they will know that advice and answers is not what you're looking for from them. Just good questions. In conclusion, I like what John Maxwell said. While we don't always get what we want, we always get what we choose. Between the world and God, 
which would we choose? In the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians in Galatians 5 verse 1, we too are assured that Christ has set us free. We would echo Paul's desire that we all want to run this race of life well, but who or what has held us back? It certainly isn't God. Galatians 5, 7-8 The freedom we have in Christ is not to live carelessly and precariously in worldliness, the triple S, Satan's spiritual system. Instead, to use this freedom to serve one another in love. And the love here re- refers to the unconditional love of God, a love that the Spirit of God gives and enables us to express unto others. The Spirit gives us this love because He doesn't want us to go the opposite way of sinful desires that are evil. Galatians 5.17 As I close, in Galatians 19-23 it says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, here Paul was saying, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. They are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Missionary Jim Elliot made a powerful statement. He says, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let me repeat that one more time. He, referring to us, we are no fool who give what we cannot keep to gain what we cannot lose. And this speaks of Friends, in response, how do we transition from worldliness into the will of God? I believe Paul gives us a simple, clear, authentic, and secure decision that's made. In Galatians 5, 24-25, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading every part of our lives. I pray that we have come to a point of decision that between the world of God, that our choice would be obvious. If you can bow your head, your hearts and allow me uh, to lead us in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. In moments like these, we do feel overwhelmed and possibly lost in hopelessness. Here we live in the tension of where your will meets us and the world we live in. Help us to choose you over the ways of the world. Help us to discover your will for our lives and that we will make those God-honouring decisions that will not only affect us, our todays and our tomorrows, but our eternities. We believe you are Christ the Lord, Saviour of our soul and soon coming King. We choose you. We live for you. We love you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, I pray that you've been ministered, challenged, and encouraged by today's sermon podcast. Till you tune in again to YPMGD Clang, 
God bless you.